sort of praying, bumming um, on you. Um, I mean, you always come expecting to pray, but I don't, I don't know if intercession was on your bingo card for the night, but here we are. I think prayer is always in order. Hopefully you feel the same. Um, we've been, as you know, we've been doing a little series on the Beatitudes, uh, Matthew 5, uh, called it Be Happy. That's from the meaning of the word, blessed, which is the first word that begins every Beatitude. Um, so the Beatitudes, we've said every week, they... And begin the Sermon on the Mount uh, where Jesus is teaching his disciples. And he's kind of challenging their thinking and the, the teaching of the, the Pharisees of, of the day. And he says things like, you've heard it like this, but I say it like this. And so he begins this whole sermon by talking about uh, eight different groups of people. And he says that they're blessed. And we call them Beatitudes, which means supreme blessedness. Or state of great joy. Does nobody really want these two? <laughs> That's all we got. I get ink for next week. Printers are weird. You run out of one color, and then it's like, no printing for anyone. So that's what happened. I ran out of blue. Or cyan. Anyway, so, um, the belief in that day was the more stuff you had, the more blessed you were. Um, and so when Jesus is listing out these people that are blessed, uh, it's often people that we wouldn't think of as, as being blessed. We've said this before. Um, the word blessed, sorry, means um, blessed or happy or to be, to be envied. And so, 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 so who is blessed so far? We've got the poor in spirit. He says they have the kingdom of heaven. Um, they that mourn, they're blessed, or they will have comfort, the meek. They're blessed, they shall inherit the earth. Those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. Uh, those that show mercy, they're going to receive mercy. I think that was last week. And so today's um, is this. Verse 8, blessed are the poor in Sorry, let's try that again. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So the pure in heart, it's, um, it's a simple statement. It's a simple thing. Um, but it's a very difficult thing to maintain. So we're just going to do the thing that we usually do. We look at the words, the key words in the original language. So pure, uh, I don't know if you can read that. There's a lot of words. I had to shrink it. Um, but it means, it comes from the Greek word katharos, which means clean. And it's used to describe something that's clean, pure, unstained, either literally or ceremonially or spiritually. Something that's guiltless, um, innocent or upright. Um, it also means without admixture or without something that's been mixed in. And um, something that is, you know, is, is not contaminated by any other substance. You get what I'm saying? And so pure means exactly what we think it would mean. Sometimes you look at a word and you're like, oh, that means something different. Pure means uh, exactly what we think it would mean. But more specifically, the focus of this word is having nothing added to it. Once you add something to a thing, it's no longer pure. Right? Um, 
There's a difference sometimes between what we call pure and what is actually pure. If you go to the store, you'll see products that are labeled pure, but oftentimes they're overly processed. They've got some things removed and some things added to make it shelf-stable or whatever. And sometimes they'll say, so they'll change the wording and they'll say it's made with 100% pure fill-in-the-blank, right? I've drank grape juice my whole life. Not like every day. But, you know, I've had grape juice growing up and I've had it as an adult. Um, I've gone to church. We had communion. <laughs> and as far as I knew, Welch's was like, that's it. That's the top. That's grape juice. Everything else is just knockoff, like grape punch or whatever. Um, sometimes what we had was called grape punch, and my mother would call it grape juice. Even, it would taste different than the real stuff, the Welch's, right? But one Thanksgiving here, someone, you know, everybody puts the stuff, the food and stuff. Somebody brought um, a big bag of grapes from their property that were just growing. And um, we had friends in St. John who had grapes growing on their property. And I always thought it was neat. And they would make jelly from theirs. And this was a lot of grapes that they had given us. And um, I was like, well, we, let's make something with this. And I was like, I don't remember. We had a lot of jam and stuff. And I was like, I don't really want to make any jam. I was like, I wonder if I can make grape juice, how hard or difficult this would be to make grape juice. So I asked Brother Google how to do it, and it turns out it's pretty easy. If you've got a big enough pot, um, you've got um, some cheesecloth and grapes, that's it. You just wash them, put them in a pot, cook them. Slow, takes a while, whatever. You don't add anything to it. And so that Thanksgiving, I made grape juice from grapes grown right here in the valley. And it was pure grape. There was nothing else. There was no sugar added, no water, nothing. And my goodness, that first drink, drink the first sip we had, it made Welch's taste like a watered-down grape punch. <laughs> it was so strong, so flavorful. We only drank small glasses because it wasn't easy on the stomach. It was so strong. Um, make sure the kids didn't drink it over a rug or anything like that. <laughs> we didn't want it to be purple. But it was, it was pure. And so every year we've made it since. Nothing added pure, nothing mixed in. That was pure grape juice. Everything else I had up to that point was a lie. It was completely different than any of the other grape juices I'd had in the past. Um, that was what, what pure purity is. And Jesus is saying, blessed are the pure in heart. Those who do not allow anything else to interfere. Those who do not add other things to their heart. Who do not mix with the things of the world. Even things that may not seem bad. You put water in your grape juice and now it's not pure anymore. It's watered down. And water's not a bad thing. And we'll add things to our heart that we think... It's not really a bad thing, but it's taken away from the purity of it. And so the word heart, we'll look at that word for a second, comes from the Greek word cardia, which is where we get cardia, cardio, cardiovascular, whatever. Um, it means, obviously, heart, but it's used to describe the heart, the mind, the character, the inner self, the will, the intention, and the center of a person. Um, so again, cardio, cardio. Um, 
But it doesn't just mean the blood pumping through your heart, you know, the blood muscle in your chest. It means your mind. It means your character. It means your inner self, your will, and your intention. This is what means to be pure. Your mind can't have any other outside influence if you want your heart to be pure. Your intention, your motives, they have to be pure. Your character, how people see you, your will needs to be pure. This is all encompassed in the heart. All these are parts of us make up our heart and they all need to be pure. James says in James 1 and 27, he said, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. This is the same word for pure that we find in Matthew 5 and 18. It means unspotted or unmixed with the world. He says unspotted or unmixed with the world religion, how we worship, how we act. Um, in order to have that, we have to love and care for those who need it. And we also need to keep ourselves unspotted or pure from the world. We cannot be influenced by the world and have pure religion. I know religion is a word that offends everyone now. But religion is your structure, your belief system. We cannot be influenced by the world and have a pure religion. We cannot be mixed with the world and have pure hearts. But yet, we constantly do it. We are constantly dabbling in the things of the world. We're entertained by the world. Um, we use the world for advice. We spend more time with worldly pursuits than kingdom ones. Pure in heart, the, the noun heart determines the area where the purity is to be found. That means the purity is supposed to be found in here. And like we said, every other week, Jesus is straightening out a lot of what the Pharisees taught, thought, and believed. And there's no emphasis put on the heart with the Pharisees. With the Pharisees, it's all about the outward. You know, it's all about following the rule. You can, your heart can be a mile, you know, million miles away as long as you're following the thing and you're wearing the right things and you're going through the, the motions. You're as holy as anyone as far as they were concerned. There was no emphasis put on the heart. It was all external about following rules and regulations and all that. And the purity that people pursued in those days was an external purity. It was all outward and ceremonial. It was all kind of attention-seeking. Look at me, look how well I'm doing this. And that is not something that's changed. As we've said, I haven't said it in a while, but peoples is peoples. Even, even the world lives by a, a twisted-up version of this. That's why it's so crazy. No one wants to address the real issue. People are trying to change what they were born as and presenting themselves in different ways and trying to look and act a certain way. And they think if I say this thing, if I support this cause, then everyone will see me as virtuous and pure. And look at me. I'm supporting all the causes. And everyone jumps on board to, to, to do this so, so others will look at them as if there's something special. But they never address the heart, which is where the real issue is. People are doing these things because they're lonely and they're confused. And they, they want attention, they want love. That's the real issue. But we don't address that. The heart means what? Mind, character, inner self, will, intention, and center. That's where our problems lie. That's where our issues are. And we can try to change the outside all we want. What's it saying about a pig? We put a... Makeup on a pig, it's still a pig. 
<laughs> you can try to change the outside all you want, but it's not going to do anything on the inside. If our minds and our character and our inner self and our will and our intention are not pure, we're not better, any better than the world or the Pharisees in Jesus' day. And all of this can be summed up in one word, and that's holiness. We've talked, we went through the series beginning of the year, if you remember, got uncomfortable at times. We talked a lot about holiness, and a lot of it was inward stuff. But God is holy, and holiness is an essential part of who he is. When we talk about holiness in God, we're talking about his absolute purity and moral perfection. We talk about us being holy, it's us conforming to the character and will of God. So we must be holy because he is holy. 1 Peter 1.16, and that means thinking like he thinks, loving like what he loves and hating what he hates, and acting like Jesus would. And we said before, you can break holiness down into two parts. One, separation from sin and the world's values. And two, dedication to God and his will. 2 Corinthians 6 and 17 to chapter 7 verse 1. It says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. If you're going to come out from the world. There needs to be a cleansing. Right? Be separate. Touch not the unclean thing. There needs to be a cleansing. You can't touch the unclean things and come out from the world. You can't come out from among them and be touched by the unclean things. You have to let it, you have to leave it. You have to be cleansed from that. There needs to be a separation in order to keep yourself unclean. Verse 18 says, and, and uh, we'll be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters and the Lord God or sorry the Lord Almighty verse 1 of chapter 7 having therefore these promises dearly beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness and the fear of God there's a coming out from the world and there's a separation from the world the ways of the world that thinking that mindset of being separated unto God there's a cleansing and a cleaning and a fear and respect of God. You cannot be pure unless there's a cleansing because all of our hearts are defiled. All of our hearts, there's sin and stuff in our hearts that needs to be removed. So that purity is only going to come when things are removed from it. You can't be pure unless there's a cleansing. The other stuff needs to be removed. Purity is something that's unmixed with something else. So we need to make sure there's nothing else in there except for the things of, of God. Romans 12 and 1 to 2. This is a very popular, famous passage. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? By the renewing of your mind, which is also your heart. The renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our reasonable service is to give ourselves to God, holy and acceptable, also holy, holy and holy. And that looks like verse 2, not being shaped or molded or fashioned like the world. There's a difference. There's a transformation that comes. There's a renewing of our mind. That's part of our hearts. We need to be renewed if we're going to be holy, if we're going to be pure. Does this make sense so far? Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 says that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lust so you get rid of the old man 
which is corrupt, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So again, your mind. Be renewed. There's a renewing. And you put on the new man. This is a pure thing. This is not the old filthy one. You let go of the filthy, the old deceitful lust, corrupted man. You let go of that. Now you're putting on a new man, which after God is created in what? Righteousness and true holiness, which is pure. So we should be putting off or removing our old ways, our old self, and we should be renewed. This is what true holiness looks like. This is what purity looks like. We have too many folks trying to stay the same. We're trying to look and act and sound like the world. We're often influenced by the world. We've been led to believe that holiness comes down to what we look like on the outside a lot of times. And what we wear and all that. And that's part of it. But a whole lot of holiness comes down to our hearts and our minds. How we conduct ourselves, what we spend time on, what occupies our thoughts, how we see the world, our priorities. Our hearts must be holy and our hearts must be pure. And so we are purified by faith. Acts chapter 15 and 9, this is after people have received the Holy Ghost. And it says, it put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. So we, if we're going to have our hearts pure, if we're going to have pure hearts, we need to believe that Jesus can clean our hearts. We need to surrender our hearts completely to him so that he can cleanse from every evil and wicked thought, from every earthly and sensual desire, from the wrong passions and the wrong pursuits. We need to be purified from the works of the flesh. Pride, self-will, discontent, impatience, anger, malice, jealousy, all those things and more. Those who are pure in heart not only want to make sure their actions are right, but they also want to be holy on the inside. So we can get that backwards sometimes. That's what the Pharisees were doing. And this, I believe, is what Jesus is kind of confronting here with a pure heart. There's a difference between outward and inward purity. Um, one is not enough. We can keep our, if we can keep our hearts pure, we can keep our hearts unspotted, our minds focused on the right things. If we can keep envy and jealousy and bitterness and rage and all that stuff out of our hearts, if we can keep fear and doubt and cynicism out of our minds, if we can keep the world out of our desires, then we're going to be blessed. And what is the blessing? Blessed are they that are blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See? Comes from the word. Which means to see, perceive, attend to. Or, and it's used to, to say, I see, I look upon, I experience something, I perceive, I discern, or beware of something. So if your heart is pure, you're going to be able to see God. We'll get that, that in a minute in different ways. But you're going to be able to experience him more freely. You wonder why it's so hard for some of us to get a hold of God is because our hearts have become so contaminated by things of the world. They've become so dirty. Our hearts are so entangled with the cares and concerns of this world. You want to know why Jesus tells us to have childlike faith because kids are not caught up in all this stuff. All the ridiculousness of the world. That's why they're trying to push it on them right now. 
That's why they're pushing all this stuff on the kids because the kids don't normally go to this stuff. They're trying to push all this garbage on them because the enemy knows it's not natural for them to get caught up in this. And he's trying to poison their hearts now. Yes. Kids don't know the bitterness that adults do. They're not jaded yet. There's a purity there. I don't know if you've ever seen a child just crying unto God. It's one of the most beautiful things in the world. It's just honest and pure. It's so easy for them to experience Jesus in the presence of God. I, can, I remember in Sunday school, we might have been 11 years old, 10, 11, 12, whatever, something like that. And I remember just interceding in our classroom, just praying. We didn't think anything of it. We didn't think this isn't what normal 11-year-olds do. Some of us got the Holy Ghost. We were just praying. Some kids' family was going through something. So we just prayed together. We just put our heads down around the table. and We, we just prayed. I remember stuff like that. We just believed that God was going to do it. Just, we just had faith, childlike faith. It was so pure. Then they get older and people start picking at you and criticizing you and you become guarded and you, and you let this stuff affect, affect you. But there's a purity in children. And when our hearts are pure, we're going to experience the presence of God like never before. It's so much easier when your heart's right just to step into his presence and let him work. The blessing of the pure in heart is twofold. He said, it says they'll see God. So if your heart is pure, you're going to see God for eternity, right? You're going to make it to heaven. John, who was there that day for the Sermon on the Mount, he ties this all together. That's the wrong way. He ties this all together in... Um, oh, it's not going to work now. There we go. First John 3. Um, he says, Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Verse 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. And verse 6, no one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. He says you can't know him or see him if you're going to live in sin. We purify our hearts. We put our hope in him. If our hearts are pure, this means that sin's been taken away. And if sin has been taken away, then I'm going to make heaven my home. Right? Hopefully we believe that. And I, should, I shouldn't have to say this. You should know I believe this. But you need to repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, and fill with the Holy Ghost, because that's how your sin is taken away. And be born again. You're getting a little quiet on me, like I didn't believe that anymore. I just still do. And if our hearts are pure, and we've done that, you can't have a pure heart without that. If our hearts are pure, then keep them that way, we're going to make it. That's the promise. And then there's the second way we can look at it. And that is the fact that if you have a pure Heart, or you're a pure heart, you're going to see God more, as in experience His presence more. You're going to notice Him working more. Right? 
Ever been around someone like that? They just see how God's working everywhere. They see God working through everything. The rest of us schlubs, we're so caught up in all the other stuff. We're so spotted with the other things that we're not even aware that God's doing things and God's working. We're just all angry about all the things, all those terrible things going on. Look at Joseph. He kept his heart right. What did he say at the end? What you meant for evil, God meant for good. He saw the good in it. And his brothers were so worried that Joseph was going to kill them because they only saw the bad. They were, their hearts weren't pure. Well, his was. And when our hearts are pure, we're going to see God working. We're going to see him. We're going to be more aware of, of what he's doing. The pure of heart, they shall see God. And to be pure again means not to have anything else mixed in. But sometimes we allow other things to get mixed in because that's how we live. Other thoughts and ideas and worldviews and agendas and sin and all this stuff is constantly trying to mix with our hearts and our minds and constantly trying to poison our character and all this stuff. And that's why the Bible says in Proverbs 4, this is written by a guy who knows this and didn't do it. Proverbs 4 and 23, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Keep your heart or guard your heart. Everything flows from that. If your heart is bad physically, your body is going to suffer. You won't be able to do the things you want to. Walking, breathing, running, any sort of activity becomes a huge chore if your heart's bad. If your heart is bad spiritually, your soul is going to suffer. Hatred and bitterness and sin will make um, any sort of spiritual activity seem like a huge chore. Your prayer will suffer. Your worship will suffer. Praise will suffer. It affects how we treat each other, how we treat our kids and our spouses, how we approach life if our spiritual heart is, is bad. But if your heart is not pure, all you're going to see is the negative side of things. But if it's pure, you'll see God. You'll see Him working in that person who's trying to get on your nerves. If your heart's pure. And you'll show patience with them. You'll see him working in the inconveniences that slow you down and make you reflect on life instead of getting angry about them. You'll see him in the pain and the suffering. You'll see hope and you'll have peace if your heart is pure. But we need to guard our hearts. We need to keep them pure. Don't let the wrong stuff in. Don't entertain yourself with sin. Watching, reading, listening, whatever. However you ingested. Guard your heart. You know what stuff hurts you. You know what you're susceptible to. Stay away from it. But it's hard. Yes, I know. The same with the physical. Why is it so hard to eat healthy food? <laughs> it's not if you train yourself. <laughs> I told you before about the Baconator guy. Every time I talk about the heart, he comes back to my mind. I wonder if he's still with us. It was hard for him to break the habit. It can be difficult for us to, to guard our hearts. We know we shouldn't eat certain things or do certain activities because they're not good for us, but we, we do them anyway. And that's the physical. That's stuff we can see. We can feel that easier, I think, sometimes. Uh, it's a difficult thing. Guarding isn't easy. You only have to guard because there's an attack. Or else you're just standing there. 
guarding means that someone's attacking, something's happening, you're, they're, you're fighting something. A lot of a, what gets in our hearts and our minds is worry, fear, anxiety, hurt, hatred, bitterness, these sorts of things. Philippians 4 and 7 says, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, I'll preach about that, I think, shall keep your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. The English Standard says, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. We need the peace of God. The peace of God settles everything. Worry, anxiety, I have peace because he's in control. Fear, I have peace because I know he's protecting me. Hurt, I have peace because I know that he heals. Hatred and bitterness, I have peace because I know that he's love and he forgives. The peace of God guards our heart. Where do we get this peace? The verse before says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And that's when the peace comes in. Prayer. Prayer brings the peace of God. The peace of God protects our heart. Um, a protected heart is a pure heart, and a pure, the pure in heart shall see God. Let's try that again. Prayer brings the peace of God. There's a lot of peace in here. Prayer brings the peace of God. The peace of God protects our hearts. A protected heart is a pure heart, and a pure in heart shall see God. But what if our hearts become impure? What if some impurities sneak in? What if we let our guard down? Well, in order to purify our hearts, first, you need faith. We already read part of this, but, and God, sorry, Acts 15, 8 to 9, if you can't see that, and God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts with faith. If we don't have faith, we're not going to come to God in the first place. Can't come to God without faith. It's impossible to please Him. We need faith. If our hearts are going to be purified again. We need faith. Only God can purify the heart. We've got to believe that. So first we need faith that He can cleanse us, that He can purify us. And then James uh, 4 and 8, draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double Minded. Well, then we have faith and we draw near to Him. He draws near to us. There's prayer, there's repentance. We can pray like David, create in me a clean heart, O God, renew a right spirit in me. And the closer we draw to God, the more He will reveal. And the more He reveals, the more that can be removed. It's easy to think I, if I don't pray all week long, it's easy to think I got a pure heart. You ask anyone on the street that they got a pure heart. Yeah, I do. When we draw nigh to Him, we draw close to Him. We just line up with His holiness. We see all the things that need to be removed in our lives. We need to draw to Him. We get to thinking we're pretty pure at heart. But you'll be amazed when you draw close to Him, all the things you start seeing. So we've got to make sure our hearts are pure. And we do that with faith and drawing close to Him, repentance, and those sorts of things. If we want to see Him, if we want to make it, if we want to be effective in the kingdom, we need to do that. And then there's a side effect. Everyone loves side effects. I had to take some penicillin. I never took that before. And I hurt my stomach real bad. It's a side effect. It doesn't make me grow hair or anything. I don't get good side effects. The, you see those commercials, the Americans, the pills, or whatever is coming. 5,000 side effects, just read them off real quick. 
Side effects. There's all, sometimes there's side effects to things. And there's a, there's a side effect to the pure in heart. First Peter 1, 22. It says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. We get purified by obeying the word, by obeying the truth. Not only will we see God, but we will love each other earnestly from a pure heart. How does that work? Well, if my heart is pure and I see God, it's awfully hard to hate my brother when I see Jesus in him. It's awfully hard to gossip about my sister when I see Jesus in her. It's mighty difficult to fight with my brother when I see God in him. We must have pure hearts. We must see Jesus in each other. Our love for each other can be seen as a test for our pure hearts, if you want. Because if our hearts are pure, we're going to love each other. John, again, said, John, 1 John 4 and 20, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Why is that? Because if I can't love you, then my heart is clearly not pure. And if my heart is not pure, then I cannot see God. Our attitudes reflect our heart. And we talked about this when we did the holiness series earlier in the year. Our attitudes reflect our heart, and they can affect our hearts. Our attitude is the most important aspect of living a holy life or a pure life. It's one, the one thing that gets us in the most trouble. A person with a humble, teachable attitude and a genuine desire to live for God can always be led to greater truth. Someone with a pure heart can always be led to more truth. Inward holiness will show on the outside, but the reverse isn't always true. Don't get caught up in making sure everything else looks good when our hearts are bad. can be just as sinful as an act we commit. So let's make sure our hearts are clear of pride, murmuring, sowing discord, bitterness, wrath, and any of those other attitudes and any of those other things we've talked about. It would be a shame to have it all together on the outside and lose out with God because of our hearts or our attitudes. Because our hearts were not pure. Because we'd allowed something to contaminate our heart some outside worldly influence or because we didn't want to draw close to him to see if there was anything. Sometimes we're like all those grape juice companies I'm trying to convince everyone else that what we've got is pure. But it's not. There's something else that's been added. There's something else in there that doesn't belong. And so... Let's make sure that our hearts are pure. Let's draw near to God. Let Him draw near to us. And love each other. That make sense? Amen. Hopefully. Excellent. Well, all right. Let's stand then. Let's pray. We haven't done that hardly at all tonight. Let's pray together that God would help us um, to do this. The only way we're going to have a pure heart is if we, if we pray and we get close to Him. Let's do that together. Jesus, I thank You. 
Now, for your word tonight, I thank you for your spirit, your anointing, God. Let's hear that all the things you've been doing tonight, God. It's been a it's been a good night in your presence, Jesus. I pray, God, that you would continue the work that you've started. God, I pray that you would work on our hearts. Uh, for every person here tonight, God, that we would draw um, closer to you. In Jesus' name, God, you would show us that there's anything that's God in our hearts. God, I pray we wouldn't be afraid to do it, God. We would be as close to you as we can. God, I want to have a pure heart. I don't want to miss out on anything. God, because I let other things contaminate my heart. I let other attitudes get in. I let other sins and bitterness and anger and hatred and all that stuff in my heart. God, I pray you would help us to have a pure heart. God, help us to see you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Love each other. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, that your will be done. God, continue to work and have your way, I pray. In Jesus' name, we thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. I'll continue, I pray in Jesus' name.